You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. If you would, would you uh, look into your worship guides and take out your teaching notes? And then if you would open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 18 and hold your place there, although we're going to come back to that passage uh, very quickly. Uh, we want to set the, uh, the foundation for today's message by looking at yet another parable. If you recall, we've determined that parables are riddle-like stories um, that are um, uh, told in such a way that they're, they're relevant uh, they're familiar to the listener, and they, uh, the goal is that they reveal kingdom values or kingdom principles. Uh, last week, we looked at a parable in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the bags of gold. Most often, we refer to that to the, as the parable of the talents. And as we looked at that parable, we focused on the, uh, the kingdom value of stewardship. So today, as we look to Luke chapter 18, we want to draw out yet another kingdom principle. So if you'll follow along as I read from Luke 18, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read eight verses to you or with you. Uh, It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice? for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So looking at that parable, we actually find two very significant kingdom values or kingdom principles. And the first has to do with uh, persistence in prayer. Jesus said, always pray and never give up. So this means as kingdom citizens, not only should we be men and women who pray, but when we pray, we should pray with persistence, always trusting, completely depending on God, never giving up on him because we understand he'll never give up on us. You agree with that? He never gives up on us. The second kingdom principle has to do with justice. Jesus says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Jesus makes it very clear in this parable that um, we can trust God to be a just judge and we can depend on him when justice is needed. So justice is the kingdom value, the kingdom principle. Uh, that we want to focus on today. Now, I think that we can safely say that there has been a cry for justice in some form or some fashion since near the beginning of time. In fact, if we go back to Genesis chapter 18, uh, we find the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we find that there was an outcry from the people for justice against the sin of of Sodom and Gomorrah. So again, we see it almost near to the beginning of time. And while this is true, it would seem that in more recent days, there have been a multitude of uh, unfortunate 
situations or injustices that somehow have produced what seems to be a louder and a stronger cry for justice than ever before. Uh, with that in mind, I recognize, and I think you would too, that talking about justice could actually become very cumbersome depending on what we focus on. Um, it would be easy to spend time looking at the injustices that we see in our world around us and to uh, go on rabbit trails or get lost in the weeds. And that's not to invalidate the, uh, any of those injustices. I'm just saying it would be easy to move down the wrong uh, trail today. So with that, what I want to say is... Um, I have no, no intent today of walking or talking through specific injustices that we see in our world around us. Again, that's not to invalidate any of them, but that's not where I want to spend my time. Instead, today, I want to focus on the kingdom value, the kingdom principle uh, of justice uh, by, uh, by taking time to understand justice through the nature of and the character of God. That would be the goal, is that today we could walk away with a greater understanding of justice as seen through the nature and the character of God. Um, as kingdom citizens, we have no other choice. We have no other choice but to interpret justice through a biblical lens. And here's what I believe. When we can interpret justice through a biblical lens, when we can filter justice through a biblical lens, then we uh, can correctly Bring this kingdom value, the kingdom of value of justice from heaven down to earth. In other words, when we as kingdom citizens live in a just manner with a biblically just mindset, then we begin to view the events, the injustices of, of the world around us, of, of society, of the culture around us. We begin to uh, filter those. We begin to, to view those, uh, those events through um, a, a spiritual discernment which is directed by the very nature and character of God. And again, that is the only way. I think we have no choice but as kingdom citizens. So the bottom line is if we're going to gain understanding of biblically defined justice, I think you'll agree with me, then we have to lay a biblical foundation. Am I right? Let's lay a biblical foundation. So it's with that in mind that we want to look at several key biblical truths about the nature and the character of God. Let me tell you this, this to not catch you a surprise a little bit. A portion of what I'm about to give you is not contained in your teaching notes. Surprise, surprise. Um, as, I was, as I was formulating this message, I realized that there were was, there was some foundational things that we had to look at, that we had to talk in relation to the nature and character of God before we could ever look at anything in the outline. So I'll get there. But, but that's not where I'm started. So um, laying the foundation for biblical justice, it begins by understanding that first and foremost, the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? It's the first stone laid in a building. And it sets the course. It sets the direction of the building. The chief cornerstone of justice is God himself. God is just. That God is just is undeniable to the essence of who he is. God is just and God 
is the God of justice. And this has to be our starting place. You cannot separate justice from the nature and the character of God. Um, and we can't correctly live out biblical justice in our world until we accept the fact that God sets the course for justice. Are we in agreement on that? God sets the course. If you don't believe me, let me just tell you what the Bible says. That's a great thing to do in church, isn't it? But what does the Bible say? Listen, let me read some passages of Scripture to you. The first one is Deuteronomy 32, 4. I think this was going to come up on the screen and the rest aren't. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all of His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Psalm 103, verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And then finally, Isaiah 61, verse 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. So Scripture makes it very clear that God is the chief cornerstone of justice. And this means that as kingdom citizens, we serve a king who is just, and therefore he is just in everything he does. And it means that his justice flows from his inner being. In other words, his justice flows out of who he is. His justice flows out of the very essence of who he is. It flows out of his nature. It flows out of his character. It flows out of his truthfulness. It flows out of his righteousness. It flows out of his holiness. It flows out of who God is. You can't separate God in the attributes of God from his justice. So understanding that God is just and that God is just in all he does is to understand, listen to this, this is very important, that God's justice, justice is both retributive and it's restorative. What does that mean? Uh, it, it's two-sided coin. It means that not only does God punish wrong, but God restores those who are victims of injustices. Justice is giving people what they are due, whether it's punishment or care or protection. Here's some proof. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. God in his justice is a non-discriminatory God. You believe that? God is a non-discriminatory God. Here's some proof. Matthew 5, 45. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Justice is God's fair and impartial treatment of all people. This means that in God's justice, the nature and character of God in his justice, that the same opportunities are available for all people. 
The same opportunities. In other words, nobody gets a raw deal. It's true. We do reap what we sow eventually. And we do get what's coming to us. But whatever it is, it flows out of the justice of God. God is the chief cornerstone of justice. Understanding biblical justice means understanding that through his justice, God works to take what is wrong and make it right. God takes, he works to take what is wrong and he makes it right. And I think that this statement in itself is possibly the best definition of justice. It's the simplest. True biblical justice is about taking what is wrong and making it right. And the greatest biblical example we have of this is the finished work of the cross. Think about it. What was wrong? There was a sin problem. Sin was wrong. It invaded humankind. What did God do? In his justice, in his holiness, in his righteousness, in his truthfulness, God took what was wrong and made it right through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. God takes what's wrong and he makes it right. And so that means that we're called to do the same. So... Um, we see that God is the chief cornerstone of justice and we see that he takes what's wrong and he makes it right. But we also have to understand that God always acts with perfect integrity. He always acts with perfect integrity. In other words, God has not nor never will make a wrong judgment or a wrong determination. God never has to reverse a decision that he's made. I'll say that again. God never makes a wrong determination. He never has to reverse a decision that he's made. It's like, Ed, God doesn't look at a replay of your life and say, oh, Ed, I am sorry. On March 10th, 1972, I, I made that. I'm, that was wrong. I need to reverse that. If I could only go back and undo it. That, that never happens. It's interesting. On June 2nd, 2010, Detroit Tigers starting pitcher threw a perfect game. He retired the first 27 batters that he faced. Unfortunately, the 27th out was actually an incorrect safe call by first base umpire Jim Joyce. And when Jim Joyce went back and watched the replay video, he immediately had to admit, I made a wrong call. It had to be reversed. Listen, God's not like that. God's not looking at any of our lives and going, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just having a bad day and I really messed it up for you guys that day. Uh, there should have never been a flood. What was going on? No, God never does that. God's judgments are always perfect. Understanding biblical justice is to understand that God always acts consistently with the requirements of his character. In other words, God does not deviate any, in any way from any respect of his nature and his character. God's character is absolute 
perfection. So what does this have to do with justice? It means that God never has to choose between being just and being merciful. Being just and being loving. uh, Being just and caring. Instead, his justice, his mercy, his love, they all converge within his holiness and they flow out of his holiness. So it's uh, only God can be all of those things at the same time. Again, he never has to make a choice. Today, will I be just or will I be merciful? it's, It's true to his character. It's all happening all at the same time. Finally, um, to understand biblical justice is to understand that God always acts in accordance with the payment that justice requires. And once again, the greatest example of this is the gospel. Through the gospel, God took what was wrong and made it right, but he made it right by uh, providing the payment that was required for justice. Let's do it again. What was wrong? There was a sin problem. Um, There was a battle that was going on uh, uh, in mankind, in humankind, uh, that the sin nature uh, caused. And sin was in direct opposition to God because God is a holy God which means he's set apart from sin. He has nothing to do with sin. So the sin problem separated humankind from God. But because God is holy, he couldn't overlook sin. And because God is just, the debt of sin had to be paid. Um, God had required a payment for sin from the very beginning. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the old Levitical system, uh, it was through the, the blood uh, uh, of animals that were sacrificed. The problem is, is that blood of those animals um, only covered over sin. It couldn't take away the guilt. It couldn't take away the shame uh, of sin. And it couldn't pay the debt in full. Um, God, knowing this and knowing that the payment had to be paid in full, he did so. He satisfied the payment that he required by giving his son, Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was sinless, the debt was paid in full. So God requires a payment according to justice, but he always acts in accordance with that. He provides the payment. How does all this connect with us as kingdom citizens? How do we take biblical justice as seen through the nature and the character of God and how do we live it out as kingdom representatives? Well, I think to answer that question, we have to begin by looking at a verse of scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 58, 6. This is what it says. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free? And break every yoke. Now hold on to that and listen to Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. Speaking of Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. 
He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus did that day in the temple was connected back to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. And the significance of what Jesus said is found in the final words where he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. In other words, he's saying, This is why I came. Jesus came to establish a way to salvation and to establish a kingdom of justice. So as Christ followers, our goal is to become like him, right? Because he's the exact image of the Father. As Christ followers, if Jesus came to establish a kingdom of justice, then you and I are called out to live justly and to work for justice. So how do we do that? How do we live justly? How do we work for justice? How do we practice this on a daily basis as kingdom citizens? I want to offer you three possibilities. This is where you get into your notes. (laughs) Three possibilities. Um, One of the ways is we can care for and protect those who have fallen victim to injustice by looking for opportunities to exercise generosity. Remember last week when we looked at stewardship, we talked about the fact that everything we have belongs to God and he's entrusted it to us. And so we can look at true situations of injustice and we can ask ourselves, how can I take the resources that belong to God that he's entrusted to me? And remember, we talked last week, we're not talking just about money, but we're talking about time and talent and spiritual gifts as well as money. How can I take those resources and how can I help someone who is suffering an injustice? Now, and I just scribbled this in my notes. Um, Those who are suffering injustice by no fault of their own, I recognize that there are certain situations where injustice is being cried out. And the reality is you got yourself in this situation. Am I right? You you got yourself in this situation. And so we don't enable them, but we still look, how could I use possibly my time to, to lead this person into a right mindset? We, we don't enable them, but we do. Listen, we have a moral obligation to both God and to those in need to use the goods and resources he's entrusted us with unselfishly and with great generosity to serve according to our ability and their need. Remember, everything belongs to God. Here's the second way. We can live justly and work for justice through universal equality. Biblical justice requires that every person be treated according to the same respect, regardless of class, race, ethnicity, nationality, gender, or any other social category. Listen. Listen to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. 
Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And James is leading us. He's encouraging us towards equality, equal treatment for all people. Jesus modeled this. Think about this. Jesus shocked the social sensibilities of the day by receiving and treating all classes of people with equal love and respect. Think about it. Jesus calls Matthew. He calls Levi, who is, a, is a, uh, the worst of, of sinners. He, he's a tax collector. He's despised. He calls him, and Matthew leaves everything and follows him. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to a Matthew party where, Jesus, uh, where Matthew has invited all kinds of people. And we're not talking about good church-going people. We're talking about people with reputation. And what did Jesus do? He went and he was there with them. He gave them love and he gave them respect. And as kingdom citizens, we're called to do the same. One last one. We can live justly and work for justice through life-changing advocacy. Advocacy is when we take action to meet a material need or when we empower others to gain self-sufficiency and when we take on social structures that disadvantage certain groups. So just briefly, I've given you three possibilities. It's not all the possibilities, but it's three things that you could begin to think about. And you might say, well, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, I can help you with that. Um, I think the starting place is to realize you're not called to do everything. You're not called to uh, raise a flag for every injustice that you see going on around you. You, you. It's not possible. You'll be spending your time in the wrong places. You won't be focusing on the right thing. The best way to figure out what your part is should be is by becoming, listen to what I'm going to say, becoming properly informed. The word properly is very important. Properly means that you are not becoming informed first, foremost, and only through social media. I, I'm not on a campaign against social media. I have, I have social media accounts. I don't use them very much. But I said in last service, yeah, I, I love the fact like Facebook, you can connect with friends and family and find out what's going on. We literally connect with people that we know around the world because of Facebook and we're able to keep up with them. That's the good side. But the other side is so much that I said, I wonder if Facebook had never been created, might our world be a different world? I don't know. I don't know. And, and I'm not saying don't go on. I'm just saying don't let that be the place where you get your information. Let God's word be your guide. Take time to read. Take time to study. And finally, don't just talk about doing something. Take action and do something. Put your faith to work. I'm going to say it again. And I had several very positive conversations after first service about this message and the approach. I don't think that it would profit us today to spend time calling out specific 
injustices in our society. Not to deny them. But if we walk away with nothing else, if we can see justice through the nature and the character of God, it will affect in a right way how we view the injustices of the world going on around us. Because we'll have right perspective because we're depending on the discernment of God's word, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and then knowing what's our role. What do we do? We have to have a biblical foundation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you, um, I think a great question to ask after any message is, um, God, is there any course adjustments that I need to make? So would you take a moment to ask yourself that question, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then talk it out with you and God if you need to for a moment. Thank you for being such a loving and caring, protective God of justice. And that you modeled the way of justice by taking what was wrong, our sin problem, and in your justice and in your holiness and in your mercy and in your love and in your grace, making it right but never deviating from who you are you said that a payment was required and you pay, you you provided you paid the payment through the gift of your son Jesus Christ and we thank you for that father i pray that you would help each one of us make any course adjustments that may need to be made in our own lives. I think for each one of us it could be very different. But I pray that something would transpire within us that we would um, be able to see the injustices in the world around us through your nature and your character as a just, holy God. We trust you to lead us in knowing what part we would play and that your spirit would empower us to take action in those areas where you're calling us to take action. So we submit ourselves to you, we commit ourselves to you, and we ask that you do that work in us today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I ask this question every week, and I'm going to keep on asking it. Is there anyone here? And today you would say, I've never actually entered into a relationship with Jesus, but today I want to, I want to do that. Today I would confess that I believe that Jesus 
was God's answer for my sin problem. That Jesus died in my place on the cross. That he paid the price and the price was paid in full. And because of what he did, I am reconciled to God and have forgiveness of my sin and have eternal life. And you'd say today, I want to confess that because I believe it. If that's you, would you simply lift your hand and let your eyes catch my eyes? Is there anybody here today? You say, I'm asking Jesus into my heart today. Anybody? Father, again, I thank you that uh, today we've gathered as a group of people who are who know you and love you and follow you. I pray that as we go from this place today, that um, because of what you're doing in us, because of your light in us, and because of uh, our continuous transformation, that people would be drawn to us in the world where we live, and they would say, what is different? And we would be able to tell them the story of Jesus the good news, the gospel, and that we would be able to help bring them into the kingdom so that they could grow and become like you and tell other people your story. I pray that we see that at work in our lives throughout this week and the days ahead. And Father, I pray a blessing over everyone who's gathered here today. Uh, As we go, I pray that we be blessed in every way uh, and that we would continually give our hearts, minds, wills, spirits to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.